I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event. So give your friends something to look at. Like a B&B with an ocean view. An endless field of wildflowers. Or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824. This podcast was recorded on Wurundjeri land. We pay our respect to their elders past and present and to the traditional owners of the game Mangrook without which our game wouldn't exist. This is Footy Actually, brought to you by Play On Radio. Hello and welcome to Footy Actually, the alternative listening footy podcast for diehard fans. My name is Kel Rowe and I'm here with my co-host Gemma Bastiani, AFLW analyst extraordinaire. How are you going, Gem? All tuck it out from round one? It went very quickly, should I say. Yeah. Sunday afternoon, I was like, wait, what? We've waited eight months and it's already done? I know. We'll get to that tipping point soon where we'll be starting to get sad about it being over. That's how quickly it goes. Yeah, because it's too short. (laughs) Well, the opening round brought us the growth, development and excitement that we'd all been waiting for. It began with some Friday night footy at Franger. We saw a host of debutants across the league and some in new colours. The spectacle was arguably dampened by some pretty nasty injuries and the weekend finished with the Premiership side landing firmly on the bottom of the ladder. Yeah, it was some interesting things going on uh, on the weekend, I think, which are worth talking about. So let's crack on. So we started the weekend, uh, of course, down at Frankston, a new venue for the AFLW in this season. We saw St Kilda host the Tigers and unfortunately suffer a 38-point loss. The Tigers were cool, calm and collected around stoppages and dominant in their contested work. They led into space really well and ultimately they won the ball. That handball chain of possession at the top of the fourth quarter was absolutely elite and I was really excited to see Poppy Kelly. She did really well in her debut for the Tigers. On the other side of the fence, there was a couple of interesting player position debuts. We saw Tani White and Tilly Lucas-Rod move into the midfield, which was pretty awesome. Yeah, so the Poppy Kelly one is interesting. Her first ever win as a Saint came against Richmond. Her first ever win as a Tiger came against the Saints. So that's just a fun fact. Nice. Yeah, we knew that Tani White would play on the ball. We'd kind of been told that in preseason. Tilly Lucas-Rod was probably more of a surprise. I think she was outstanding in terms of providing a little bit of a point of difference to that midfield we know Liv Vesely is is a very good player we know Rosie Dillon is a very good player quite similar whereas Lucas Rudd gave a little bit of a point of difference there yeah it's not to the extent that you know Tiana Smith would who is a completely different player but it allowed them a little bit more flexibility and I think personally watching the game they got probably the better of the midfield in the first quarter. Mm. Um, And then after that, Richmond sorted themselves out. They made some changes. The midfielders became more aware of 
protecting Mon Conti because we knew Mon was going to have a good season. Her getting a full preseason obviously being a big thing. But, you know, she needs protection. She can't be the only one there. So I think Sarah Hosking and then they did move Katie Brennan in there. And I think Katie's matured as a midfielder, I think, than when she was first in the midfield in 2020. And I think that made a difference. I I wouldn't say play Katie Brennan in the midfield every week, but if you do need that point of difference, that change up in the middle of a game, something's not quite working. She is a player you can put in there. She will protect Mon. And I think that's the big thing. Mon ended up with 29 disposals, nine clearances, 70% disposal efficiency, which is just wild. So yeah, shout out to Mon Conti. She, uh, with a few of the injuries that have happened as well, she might be favorite to take out the BNF. Yeah, I mean, her performance was huge. Obviously, the stats show it, but goes to show what happens when you give your focus to that preseason and it's really paid off. And I definitely noticed that as the as the game progressed, they really did well to kind of understand what the gameplay with the Saints was. So I saw on a number of occasions when the Saints went to kick into space, they were just so quick off the mark and led into the space and intercepted the ball. It was really impressive. Yeah, and I think the other thing was the story of this one, some of the debutants that played. So the Saints did debut two players, Leah Cutting and, and uh, Lucy Burke, both had five touches, probably didn't get as involved as the Saints would have hoped. Lucy Burke did have some really good moments in defence, reading the ball coming in and, and intercepting. Yeah. Um, but for Richmond, Megan Keeley, obviously, huge kicked the two goals. <laughs> She's a mature age recruit. You know, she can run through that midfield as well, but she looked quite happy in that forward line. And Stella Reed, you know, her quick thinking roving off the pack to kick her first goal was really clever. And then, yeah, Amelia Yeser had a really good game, maybe a little bit quieter than the others, but she still had an impact in that forward line. So I think there's some good stuff going on there at Richmond. Yeah, absolutely. They just seemed to really take their chances when they had an opportunity in front of goal too, and it paid dividends in the end. Um, I think there was a couple of quick, neat snaps from Taylor Style as well. Yeah, Taylor Style just knows where the goals are. Goal magnet, goal magnet. That's what we like to see. Do you want to give me a play on performer votes? Yeah, as long as you don't copy mine. No, we've done separate homework this time around. Yeah, I was just making a joke about the tipping last week. Is that mean? Sorry. (laughs) Well, I mean, it's probably good that you didn't copy me in the tipping, but we'll talk about that later. Yeah, we will, says the person who did really well. Uh, I gave Mon Conti three, as I said. Most touches and clearances by a Richmond play- player in a Richmond Guernsey, as well as Mon's personal best. So got to go with her. Courtney Wakefield, I went with number two. Her presenting and marking in the forward line is such a valuable asset that not many clubs have, and Richmond are lucky to have Wakefield. And then I've given one to Lucas Rod because I think in what was a tough night for the Saints, she did actually shine. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, I didn't copy you, but I have to agree. Uh, Mon Conti gets three from me. I think the world has to agree. <laughs> yeah. If you don't agree, well, just get out. But uh, yeah, her performance, obviously huge for the Tigers. And I can't wait to see uh, how she goes as we progress through the season. Like I said, a real chance for League BNF. I gave two points to Megan Keeley. That was a great debut. Obviously, snagging two goals was fantastic. She had 11 disposals and made five tackles as well. So pretty solid effort. Uh, And I've given one point to Tani White, who moved into a new role, did a pretty good job at that, and also managed to kick a goal, which is a fantastic way to start off the year. Game two, uh, obviously Saturday, we were down at Arden Street watching North Melbourne and Geelong. Geelong were pretty determined to avoid a repeat of last season's loss. 
and they gave the Roos a pretty big scare with their significant improvement. But ultimately, the Roos took away the victory by eight points. So it was 4-2-26 over 2-6-18. North wrestled away the win, but it wasn't exactly pretty. Um, And there was definitely a few big knocks in the game as well with Carney out. I felt like the middle shouldered the load quite well, but it kind of constrained their game a little bit. Yeah, I think um, not having Carney, but also Ellie Gavalis, you know, in the in the conversation about Emma Carney being out, people seem to have forgotten that Ellie Gavalis also wasn't playing. And Ellie Gavalis is an incredible ball winner, very good player in that midfield. Hmm. Without those two players in the midfield, the Roos didn't have the luxury of spinning Jenna Bruton out onto the wing when they wanted to mix it up a little bit, you know, doing all those sorts of things that we saw them do a lot last year. The Ruse, if they win the uncontested ball, they generally win the game. And that's off the back of, um, you know, Ashmore, Eddie and Bruton on the outside of the contest. And then you add into it, they've prepared the preseason with a forward line that has Jasmine Garner playing largely in that forward line rather than on the ball. They weren't Mm -hmm. able to do that. Both of those two players had to play as inside mids for the bulk of the game. And you could just say it just didn't quite let them get the game going on the terms that they wanted. And then it also didn't help that Caitlin Ashmore had to go off for a period of time when she tweaked her ankle. So I think that was the big thing for North Melbourne is they are a good team and they do have depth, but they've crafted a game style based on having the depth and not necessarily based on depth in every single area. So there's a lot of inside mids that can play I don't know that they have a lot of wingers that can do that job if one or two of them aren't able to so that's probably my one question about North whereas with Geelong we did see improvement there are great new players in there Nina Morrison is back and showed that she's still a very good player Georgie Prospark has got the rising star Nord, you know she's a very good player had 20 touches on debut I think the thing about Geelong that was frustrating was in the second quarter in particular, they reverted to that desperate long kick out of defense just to clear the ball and get some breathing space. But they're kicking directly to a well-set-up opposition Mm. and it's coming straight back in. And that's what we saw from Geelong week in, week out last year. We were hoping that that wouldn't be the case again this year. The positive, however, is in the third quarter, they'd done that in the second, in the third quarter, they came out. They found possession in the forward half, allowed Phoebe Williams and a few of the other forwards to sit in the forward line rather than having to come up the field. And they were far more dangerous. So Geelong, when they can get a possession in the forward half, do look like a good side and they have the personnel, but they they can't revert to that desperation. Old habits. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the thing for them to, to watch out for. If if a team can trap them in their defense, it takes them a while to work out how to adjust to that. But again, good showings given the circumstances for both teams, I think. I was really excited to see Georgie take to the field for a fair amount of the first quarter. Uh, she was right up ruining Ghana's flow with the ball. She was just everywhere on it. And that was really great to see. Lots of lots of pressure play there. Mm. Rachel Kearns was also quite a nice addition for the Cats, the new Irish recruit. And I thought some of the stuff that she did was really good. So I look forward to see um, just how she develops with the side across the season as well. Yeah, and Zali Friswell broke the record for youngest player debut as well with 18 years and nine days. So Incredible. And held her own pretty well too. Yeah, Zali and... Georgie have such a good connection because they have played a lot of junior footy together as well. So um, that's that's a pairing to watch over the years. Awesome. Love to see it. Play on performer votes. I mean, we haven't talked about her at all, but Ash Riddell 
equaled the disposal record in the competition with 35 and broke the contested possession record with 22. So got to go with Astrodale. She also had seven clearances and 478 meters gained. So that's a huge game from a player that knew that they were missing some key people. She really stepped up. Yeah, I've given two to Georgie Prasparkis again. One of only five players this round to get more than 400 metres gained. Three of them were in that game. So it was Ashmore, Riddell and Georgie Prasparkis. And yeah, Rising Star nomination. And then one to Jenna Bruton. Because even though she was in a, a role that the team probably wouldn't have wanted to have to use her in, she still played a really good game, had 24 touches, three inside 50s. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you know, we we forget sometimes the depth and reliability of North Melbourne's middle. It's incredible. And yeah, what Ashradell did was fantastic. She just goes and goes and goes. Mm. Unsurprisingly, I've also got her for my three there. It'll be rude not to. I've gone for Jenna Bruton at number two. Because uh, likewise, I think the two of those players stepped up in the absence of Galavis and Carney. So great to see that effort equals reward there. And of course, I've given one to Georgie Presparkus because that was a great debut. Mm-hmm. Rising star norm straight off the bat. I imagine that there would have been a fair amount of pressure externally and uh, a lot to live up to. But she just handled it like a pro. I actually saw her at the Carlton game on the Sunday and, and told her how much I loved her game. It was really great. So I mean, she won the first clearance of the game straight off the bat. She was killing it. So, so very good to see. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Following on from the Arden Street game, we head over to Whitnoble to see the Hampson Hardeman Cup play out for uh, the sixth year running. Western Bulldogs hosted Melbourne and weren't able to hold on to that cup. Melbourne prevailed and took out a 24-point victory, 3-4-22 to Melbourne's 6-10-46 in the end. The Ds aren't messing around this season. There was a lot of short kicks to Mark leading into space and creating an overlap for a loose player in the corridor and just undid the Dogs' defence on so many occasions. Despite that, in classic captain style, Blackburn attempted to rally a fight back in the second half, but the Ds levelled up in the final term and took home the cup in an extremely dominant and definitive win. Outside of the game, I did particularly enjoy that great little zinger from Daisy Pierce, wondering whether or not the Bulldogs girls knew where Casey Fields were for the next uh, Hampson Hardeman Cup, which was uh, a nice way to, I guess, lighten the mood at the end of the match. Well, I mean, this battle has always been a Western Bulldogs home fixture so fair she's not wrong (laughs) it's a fair it's a fair call yeah I think the thing with Melbourne is they could have taken the easy route they had a forward line I pointed this out to my brother who I was sitting with at this game at one point the forward five was Daisy Pierce Taylor Harris Shelly Scott Jackie Parry and Kate Hall you know when you've got a forward line like that it's very easy to just be like oh they're good. Let's just bomb it in there. Trust that they'll do it. But they didn't take that easy route. They very systematically broke down the dog's defense. They did a really good job of using the width of the ground, trying to keep the ball in the corridor to keep all of their options open. 
And the forwards did a really good job of making space for each other. They weren't getting in each other's way. So that really clean, decisive ball movement completely broke the dogs down in the first quarter, especially when Melbourne was kicking into the wind. Um, And it was really hard for the dogs to deal with that. Obviously, we've got to make mention of the fact that the dogs are missing a lot of their most important defenders. Eleanor Mm. Brown was tasked with Taylor Harris, you know, giving up quite a bit of size. The dogs were up against it. The, the Ds have clearly come in with a very specific game style they want to play. They want to use the corridor, and it showed on the field. The, the time that the Dogs got back into it in that third quarter, they were dominating in the centre. So when the Dogs take control of the stoppages, they are very hard to defend because they do move the ball quickly, and Bonnie too good one out is, a, you know, is usually going to win that. Um, it's worth noting that Karen Paxson was off the ground for a lot of that third quarter as well. So Melbourne mm. was without her and Ellie Blackburn just got to work. So interesting how the game ebbed and flowed. I'm still concerned that Melbourne kicked 6-10 um, because you'd hope that after five seasons they'd have worked on that. Um, <laughs> let's see how that develops because, again, they got knocked out of finals last year by you know having more scoring shots in their opposition but not kicking accurately enough. So we'll see how that goes. Hopefully that cleans up whereas last year they started really really accurately and fell away let's hope this year is the opposite of that for them yeah it was really classy movement of the football so let's have some classy scoring shots to to match that huh oh I should also make mention Izzy Huntington yeah we love you we hope that you're dealing okay who are you play on performer votes going to plan performer votes I've given three to Eden Zanka in the corresponding fixture last year Eden Zanka had a lot of shots on goal. Um, she ended the game with three behinds, but I think she had six shots on goal in that game. She used the mm. ball at 40-something percent. This time, she had 20 touches at 70%. Um, she was a big-bodied midfielder, but also moved around the ground really well. She She's a superstar in the making, so this could be the year of Eden Zanka. Um, I've given two to Tyler Hanks. She didn't necessarily get as much of the ball as we are used to seeing from her. But the way she positioned herself as Melbourne moved the ball down the ground was spectacular. And the the moment to set up uh, Casey Sheriff's goal, the first goal of the game, Tyler Hanks' ability to get out into space in the corridor, that should be studied by people. How does Tyler Hanks find space like that? Um, so I've given her the two. And then one to Ellie Blackburn, because again, her ability to rally her troops can't be um, underrated. No, absolutely. She um, she has the ability to really change the momentum in the game and it just unfortunately didn't pan out this time around. I've similarly, I've given three votes to Eden Zanker. I, I just think it's incredible um, when, when taller players are able to move with such grace and fluidity across the field. It's, it's really impressive. I mean, it's one thing to be a great up and under footballer, but to do that when you're a good whack taller than most of your opposition is really impressive. Uh, I've given two votes to Kate Hall because she is just the silkiest football player. She just appears out of nowhere. And like you said, they, they didn't get in each other's way up front. So there was always space to move. And she took a number of opportunities and they paid dividends. Um, and of course, one vote to Ellie Blackburn. Totally agree with you. Absolute captain's effort every game. We, we can't ask for, for anything more. And unfortunately, she will be out of the side next weekend. So let's see how the dogs go. Yeah. That is a big out on top of everything else. Yes. To round out the game on Saturday, we had 
the Western Derby between West Coast Eagles and Fremantle. We obviously watched the practice match before Christmas, but this time the game was for points. I think ultimately it's a much more competitive showing from the Eagles. They put a burst of scores on in the third, but Frio just charged away with the win in the final quarter. Emma Swanson kicked an absolute pearl of a goal for West Coast and then got a bit overzealous with their post-goal celebration um, at the expense of, of opposition captain Hayley Miller. Um, and Ebony Antonio was just absolutely exceptional and unsurprisingly uh, took home a shared derby honours with Kiara Bowers for the night. Yeah, I think the thing that um, we take away from this is fitness is for Freo is a big priority for them and it's really mm. evident on the field. They run out that game. It, it felt like it was anyone's game at three-quarter time. Yeah. And then in the final quarter, they piled on three goals, five to no score. And that was, was the difference. And that's how Freo, you know, got away with a few last year. The Carlton game comes to mind, but it's that off-season uh, off running programs that they do with Kate Starr and all that sort of stuff that allows them to do this. So while there's definitely a lot of room for improvement from Freo, that fitness is going to put them in really good stead. On Emma Swanson, I know that, you know, we don't like any real nastiness or anything, but I really liked that she was trying to get her team up and about. Yeah, whether she went about it the right way is remains to be seen. If that's what gets her team up and about, great. She didn't punch anyone, but she she did get into Haley. <laughs> yeah, because they had been going at it all before that incident happened as well. Emma Swanson also had a flipping great game. She ended yeah. the game with twenty three disposals, six clearances, and the most meters gained for the round with four hundred and eighty nine. So she was really trying to surge the ball for her team. I think for West Coast. It's still that forward line that breaks down a little bit. They want to create space in the forward line and run it in. But too often they maybe move the ball too quickly and then don't have anyone to send the ball to. And then they slow their game down. Then it gets clogged up and it comes back out. So I think Mm. maybe they've just got to work out how to adjust that want for space up forward while still keeping at least someone at home that isn't outnumbered. I don't know. That's my concern for them. Otherwise, they actually do look like a really solid competitive team yeah I'm I'm really excited to see how they go particularly this week they're playing Gold Coast Suns so they're um they're likely to have a probably a a more evenly matched kind of game so I think we'll we'll see some good footy there what were your play on performer votes yeah so got to give the three to Ebony Antonio kick the three goals you know probably goal of the year as well amongst that she's also just uh, you know this game was shades of round one 2019 where Frio debuted seven players in this game they debuted six Ebony Antonio was a shock forward in that 2019 game same thing happened this week you know got the win that sort of stuff um she's a star uh, we mm. should say that. Um, I've given two to Kiara Bowers, 14 tackles, uh, not too bad. Um, yep. Also had a lot of the ball, 24 touches and a few other things. So, you know, can't go past her. And then I've given one to Emma Swanson. As I said, I think her game has been a little bit underrated across the conversation about footy this weekend. And despite the fact that we did our homework separately, I'm going to have to agree with you on all fronts there. I've given three to Ebony Antonio, two to Kiara Bowers and one to Emma Swanson. Um Love a good rivalry, and I look forward to seeing these guys hit it out again. Sunday afternoon, we got our grand final rematch, and Adelaide claimed revenge against Brisbane. Uh, The premiership side suffered the loss of key players 
to injury early in the first half and the Crows took advantage of those gaps in both the lines forward and back lines. And they took home the game by a massive 30 points. Yeah, so let's start by saying the Brisbane injuries suck. Massively. Kate Luckin's doing her ACL, I think she played 8% of game time. It was very early in the game that she mm. went down. And as much as, you know, Conan and Campbell and those defensive players for Brisbane are solid and very good players, Kate Luckins is irreplaceable. So the scramble to cover that took them some time. And then when Dakota went down as well, who's going to miss, I think, five to six weeks. So that's, you know, most of the season. Yeah. It was just too much to be able to cover in game, I think. So we've got to say that about Brisbane. But Adelaide, their manic pressure was something, well, we talked about this in the preview, the way Brisbane moved the ball in the grand final didn't allow the pressure to come on because they didn't necessarily always take possession or things like that. Mm. Adelaide absolutely went to town on that. Their pressure from the first siren till the last was so full on. Brisbane had absolutely no space, no time to think. And I've never seen a team do it as consistently throughout four quarters as Adelaide did it. And again, shows how fit they are because that's exhausting. I think it was 29 degrees and humid where that game was being played as well. That's the thing to keep an eye on for Adelaide because if they're going to pressure you like that and you can't get a clean possession to take a breath, it's very hard to score. Um, Brisbane had a lot of inside 50s in that game, could not hit the scoreboard. So um, Mm. that's a warning from Adelaide, I think. It was unreal. I went into watching that game thinking, you know, we're going to see all the greats from Brisbane put that pressure on, but it was absolutely flipped. And like we talked about it in the preview, how how would Adelaide counter the pressure that and the way the style of play that Brisbane have? And they did it. They just completely bamboozled them from the, from start to finish. It was something else to watch. Whether or not we mean to, sometimes people just go, oh, you know, Adelaide. And then next minute they finish on top of the, the ladder. So Definitely um, not one to discredit, especially this year. You know, like it's their last year potentially playing together as this list before a lot of change happens with the new teams coming in. So huge, never underestimate them. Mm-hmm. Accurate. Uh, you play on performer votes? So I've given three to Anne Hatchard. The thing that um, I really like about what Anne Hatchard has been doing in a game slowly over time has been winning the ball and getting into space before disposing of it. So she had 26 disposals, but 19 of those were kicks. And that's what Adelaide really needed when finding the balance between their ability to win clearance and their ability to create score or create attack from that clearance. And Anne Hatchard is the player that's been doing that. So keep an eye on how she moves out of congestion before using the ball. I think that's a really interesting one. Um, Ash Woodland kicked four goals, the only player this weekend to kick four goals. Um, so she gets my two. And then I've given one to Aura Dwyer because amongst all the negativity about what happened to Brisbane, um, she had 21 disposals, took seven marks and lead seven tackles. So let's uh, shout out Orla. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and on this front, I think we're in agreement as well. Uh, I, I think Hatch is a great player. I always rate her work. She's she puts in oodles of effort in the preseason and obviously, you know, it pays off year after year. Ash Woodland's bag of four, got to give that points. And yeah, I think Bates and Anderson, always reliable fixtures in the Lions side, but uh, nice to give Laura Dwyer a shout out as well because she put in huge effort. Then we had our second last game for the weekend, Carlton v Collingwood at Icon Park. It's extremely hot afternoon. I was there in the stands for that one. And ultimately pretty 
undisciplined form from Carlton saw them lose control of momentum in the game. The Pies overran them at the finish of the fourth. It was 3-7-25-2-6-8-44. The Pies are looking dangerous, even with Davey going down in, in the fourth term due to an ACL. I think that's not going to rattle them too much in terms of their game strategy because they just have such a depth of list. There's plenty of entertaining matchup battles across the deck, but my particular favourite was uh, Karen Harrington and Chloe Malloy. Uh, just furious pressure-filled affair. They were all over each other trying to wrestle out each other and it was just, yeah, great to watch. Yeah, so I covered this one. So I had the advantage of sitting high, could see everything, which is, you know, my favourite way to watch a match. I think the thing for me early in the game, Carlton were actually taking it to Collingwood. Grace Egan was playing directly on Brie Davey and was, you know, Brie Davey can't be stopped, but she was able to limit her a little bit. Yeah. Even though Collingwood are getting those shots on goal and missing, um, so it could have been a much bigger margin, I think Carlton were hanging in there. And then when Grace went down, she's broken two ribs and punctured her lung, so she's going to be missing for much of the season now. Um, Mm. I think when she went down, things kind of fell apart a little bit for Carlton and then the undisciplined stuff came in so you know Darcy Vesio the stand rule caught Darcy off guard I think Um, 50 meter penalty to Ruby Schleicher with I think a minute to go in the quarter and it was straight in front of goals yeah so got put into the goal square kicked a goal but the fact that 30 seconds later Eliso Day didn't give the ball back on the full to Alison Downey Downey got put within I want to say 25 meters of goal Downey's a pretty straight shooter, has ki- had kicked nine goals straight in her career prior to that, kicked her 10th goal, the 10th goal of her career after the siren. And from there, it felt like, oh, there's movement here. And then for them to start the third quarter with another 50-meter penalty from O'Day, putting Ashling Sheridan in the goal square, from there it was like it's a really big hill to climb now and they've kind of put themselves in that position because they were fighting it out. But those mm. three things, to give up, 18 points directly from 50 meter penalties and to lose by 19. There's no looking past that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that right there is the game. And I'm pretty sure Daniel Harford said that in his post-match review on Downey's goal too. I mean, part of me was pretty thrilled that she, she kicked that goal in that first, first round match against 250th goal. 250th goal of the venue. Yeah. 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 Pretty, pretty special. And, um, not, you know, nice to see everyone get around. Obviously she's, um, you know, pretty popular down at Victoria park there. So great to, great to see her continuing her footy with, the, with the pies, um, as much as it sucks as a blue fan to, to say that, but, uh, who was your play on performer votes for the game? So I've given three to Lambert. So I think Lambert maybe uh, didn't get as much attention last year because of the year that Davey had, because of the mm. year that Benigni had. But Lambert is still a very good footballer, very good contestable player. Um, so I've given three to her. I've given two to Sarah Rowe, I think. She battled some injuries last year. She was a, she played very, very well in the 2020 season then had to deal with some shoulder injuries and couldn't really get consistently on the park. She had 21 touches this weekend. More importantly, I think she went at 81% efficiency with those 21 touches. That is massive. If you can yeah. 80% of the time hit your target, put your team in a good position, that is so um, beneficial, I guess, to how you want to move the ball because you can trust that that player is going to get it where it needs to go. And Collingwood consistently over the past few years have been 
one of the best ball using sides in the competition. Um, and Sarah Rowe is a big part of that. So two votes to her. And then I've given one to Ruby Schleicher, who um, was told in the off season to find a bit more defense to her game. And she absolutely did that. You know, she did kick the goal, um, but mm. she held Darcy Vessio to four touches. Yeah. Shout out to Ruby Schleicher. Yeah. Yeah. She played a pretty incredible game. I've gone three votes to Sarah Rowe in a team like Collingwood. It's, it's hard to sh- like shine when everyone's doing really well. So I think it's great to see her, um, you know, come through there and, and have a really great day on the park. I've given two votes to Ruby Schleicher because incredible stuff in defence. She's one of my favourite rebounding defenders to watch. Yeah, She's just a really, really dynamic player. And again, much like Harrington and Malloy, she was all over Vessio. She's also quite an amazing mark too. I love mm. watching her go up in a pack. Um, Took eight marks, I think. Yeah. yeah. Ultimately, it was her knee that uh, put Egan out. Yeah, that's true. I'm not surprised you wouldn't want to be on the end of that for sure. Um, and of course, one vote to Karen Harrington, just because I enjoyed that defensive battle enormously. And I think she plays such a solid role down the back. She, you know, obviously captains the side and, and has a lot of responsibility on that front, but really pulls her back line together uh, much, I think, in the same way that Ellie Blackburn kind of pulls her team to perform. It's really impressive. Yeah. And to finish the weekend, we had Gold Coast Suns up in Mackay, not the floating stadium that everyone was talking about (laughs) at the beginning of the week. Uh, They hosted the Greater Western Sydney Giants and only went down to the Giants by 15 points, which was pretty nice to see after them um, taking out the wooden spoon in 2021. This was exciting for a number of reasons. Uh, It's obviously the debut of Charlie Robottom. And then mm-hmm. one draft pick. She showed plenty of promise in that game, so I look forward to seeing more of her. The Suns led on the scoreboard for the first half of the match, but the Giants kind of grit their teeth and push through for the win, um, thanks to stellar performances from the ever-reliable Elise Parker and Alicia Eva. Uh, and GWS showed that they can hit the scoreboard without solely relying on Staunton. Well, we do know my stat about how since Staunton debuted in 2018, the Giants have only ever won two games without Staunton kicking a goal, and that continues because she kicked mm-hmm. two in this game. Um, I think the thing about the Giants that I was really impressed by was that they seem to have cleaned up their disposal. They seem to have worked on that skill. They had some really neat passages of play, which gave their forwards best chance to score effectively they got you know Rebecca Privatelli won out to take that mark putting it out into space for them rather than popping it right on their head when they're in a 1v3 things that we saw the Giants do a lot over the past five years those things are starting to clean up a little bit so I think that's a really positive change for the Giants I was also really impressed by Ali Morfitt who was supporting Erin McKinnon in the ruck. She seems to be really clever in the way she positions herself to be an outlet. And then she's pretty reliable in the air. So I'm excited to see how she improves as the season goes on. Um, Obviously, Chloe Dalton going down with that shoulder injury, but she didn't look great after, she didn't look very happy after the game. So, you know, Chloe Dalton is is such an outstanding footballer. We lose when she doesn't play. And before that happened, she was providing some like really good run and carry for the Giants. So hopefully it isn't too bad and she isn't out for too long because, Mm. yeah, great player, really dynamic to watch. Yeah. Who were your play and performer votes for the round? I've given three to Elise Parker, you know, keeps doing what she's doing. I think the thing similar to Anne Hatchard that I really liked about Parker was of her 21 touches, 16 were kicks. So she's doing what she can to get the ball moving into an attacking position more often than not. 
Two to Alicia Eva. Eva is kind of back to some vintage form from her. I don't know that we've seen a game like this from her in a long time. Um, and then Wanda Kalinda Howarth, who was you know slated to play in defense during the preseason. And I think because of some of the outs they've had, ended up playing forward and was really dangerous for them, not just with her own shots on goal, but in terms of making the forward line a dangerous place to be. Yeah, it's really good to see that for the Suns. Uh, I have mirrored you on all three of those. Elise Parker gets three from me. Alicia Eber gets two and Kalinda Howarth gets one. So we had a couple of questions this week from Mel and Amelia. Mel asked us, was there more first-time goals from first-time players in this round? We had uh, five debutants kick their first goal in round one last year. Um, and we've had five debutants kick their first goal in round one this year. So that's fun. Actually, I lied. We've had four this year. Megan Keeley kicked two. So this year we had Megan Keeley, Stella Reed, Courtney Jones, and Tara Bahana each kick their first goal in their first game this weekend. We had five last year. Um, the thing last year, though, was that after round one, only three players kicked a goal on in their debut game after that. So let's see how that tracks. But we did have a few players kick their first goal despite it not being their debut game. Rosie Dillon, um, Abby McKay. Abby McKay come to mind. There's a few others. So, yeah, it, it's an interesting one. Yeah. Um, Mel also asked if you had a favourite from those. Uh, Stella Reed's goal was... I'm a big Stella Reed fan and watching that goal, the way she curled it through, outstanding. I really like um, Tara Bahana's one. She just slammed it on her foot and put it through. No, yes. no worries. So yes. good. <laughs> Very good. Uh, Amelia asked us, uh, there were four individual goal scorers for the Giants. Uh, is this a good sign? Um, or should we be more concerned about the separation between the mids and the forwards? So the Giants had four individual goal kickers this weekend. Um, their average goal kickers last year was 2.7. So it is more than what we're used to from them, but they did have four individual goal kickers twice last year. Um, the year before, they averaged 2.7 as well. And then the year before that, they actually averaged 3.6. So they've dipped a little bit and they're hopefully coming back up, but let's see if they can continue that support across the board or whether they still end up just relying on one or two players to do that job. Uh, should we talk about what games to watch next round? I think we should. Who have you got? So I've uh, probably predictably gone with the Richmond Melbourne game on Friday night at Punt Road. Richmond showed what they can do. Um, I want to see Richmond back that up against a really good team in Melbourne. Yeah. And, and then on the other side, Melbourne, showed that they could pick some things apart. I'd love to see maybe under a little bit more pressure that Richmond might bring if they can do that game style again. Yeah. The defense V forward battle is going to be fascinating because if you think about, you know, Harris, Pierce, Scott, Parry, Hoare up against a Miller, Cordner, Sarah Darcy, you know, a few of those players, um, I think is a really interesting defensive matchup. The thing that is going to be key to this game is if Melbourne's forwards can create that separation, not allow the supportive intercept defence to come across, um, that will really restrict, 
you know, if Sarah Darcy can't be that supporting player in the air, that restricts mm. what Richmond does in terms of their rebound out. But if Richmond can do that, I don't know how Melbourne restructure to find their attack. Yeah, absolutely. And it's always really good to see um, what teams do against a quality side. Like you generally play much, much better football against a quality side and hopefully, you know, they'll they'll be able to kind of adapt and learn a few things while they're out on the track. I have decided I'm really excited to see Adelaide play North Melbourne at North Oval on Sunday. I'm particularly interested in this one because I think the midfield battle will just be really exceptional to watch. There'll be some really good um, matchups there. Hopefully Carney's back in the side. Hopefully Gallivis is back in the side um, and we get to see that. And there's no outs, of course, um, to Adelaide. Uh, I think also interesting given what we know about North Melbourne's ability to hit scoreboard. Uh, Adelaide obviously have some pretty ripper um, forwards up front. Ponta's really dangerous. Stevie Lee Thompson's there doing the work. Plenty of options up front. It's great. Yeah. And your tips for next week. I mean, we mentioned this earlier. I did not have a particularly great weekend on the tips, uh, as predicted by my fairly flippant submissions last week. Who have you got for round two? I'm going Melbourne by 18 points. Well, I've gone the same, but I've gone bigger. I've gone D's by 30. Wow. Yeah. It might be a bloodbath. It might not. hope so. Pies v Saints. I've gone Collingwood by 25. We've just found out that Nick Del Santo won't be available to coach on the weekend, so Paddy Hill will step up. But, yeah, I don't know that the Saints have the personnel to beat Collingwood. Yeah, after watching Collingwood's efforts on Sunday, uh, I've also backed them in to get up by 30. Big margins. Yeah. Uh, Brisbane, Carlton. Um, I know you're going to tip Carlton for this. I'm going with Brisbane. They're back at home. I think they won't let what happened happen again. I don't know that Carlton can bring the manic pressure or at least for long enough. And I just got a feeling we're going to see some really fun debutants for Brisbane this weekend. So I'm going with Brisbane by 10. Well, you're correct. And yes, I am going to tip Carlton uh, only because I feel like they have to make a decision here to smarten up their footy. I was impressed to see that Carlton didn't sleep in the first quarter. And like we said, they did actually have a really good go of it against the Pies to start off that game. So I'd like to see that for an entire four quarters. Uh, And I think potentially with the outs that the Brisbane Lions have, they might just get up by two points. Big call. I know. I'm known for them. They're not great calls, but they're big. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Cats v Dogs down in Geelong. Uh, I'm going Cats by 15. I liked what I saw from the Cats in the second half and I worry for the Dogs that they just don't have the players available. Yeah, that was my reasoning too. I've got Cats by 11 because, yeah, any other day of the week, if you had a full-strength Dogs team, it might be a bit different. But, yeah, I think the Cats will come off the back of that performance with a lot of confidence uh, and, I yeah, I feel like they're going to struggle for personnel. Um, hopefully there's no more health and safety outs for the Dogs. Eagles, Gold Coast Suns. Yeah, I, I mean, I like I like the look of the um, the Suns. I think they fade late in games, so finding a four quarter performance would be really positive for them. But I still think the Eagles are going to get over the top here by five. Um, this one notably being played as part of a double header at Witten Oval in Melbourne. I know what I'm doing on Sunday. Spending all day in the stands. I similarly have decided to back in the Eagles. I think it will be a fairly evenly matched game. 
I'm excited to see that because I think it'll give both teams an opportunity to really play the kind of football that they want to. But I've gone Eagles by six. Crows, North Melbourne. Yeah, I'm going to go Adelaide. It's at Norwood Oval. Adelaide have a very good winning record at Norwood. Adelaide is so settled across the park. North, while I think when they do have the right players in, they're a good side. I'm not sure that their forward line is functioning effectively. Um, and Adelaide, we know, can pile on scores. So I'm going to go Adelaide by 12. Yeah, look, I ummed and art about this one. I had Adelaide by 11, uh, but I've actually decided that I'm going to go Adelaide by 18. It should be a really good game, but like I said, good track record there for the Crows. Uh, and to round out the weekend, Frio, Greater Western Sydney, the second part of the doubleheader at Witten. I'm going to get some messages about this. Um, I'm going Frio. Don't don't stress. I'm going Frio. It's okay, Trent. Don't worry. <laughs> I don't think this will be as big a margin as most people expect. Um, I'm going to go Frio by eight. I happily accept if the margin is larger, but I don't know that Frio are going to put a team away. I don't know that you can rely on an Antonio, a Miller, and an O'Sullivan to be all of your scoring um, every single week. So I want to see who else is going to step up there. And that is why I'm only going then by eight. Mm, okay. Well, I've got a little bit more confidence. I've backed in Frio by 20. I think there, there will be an opportunity for them to really have a competitive hit out against Greater Western Sydney, but I think they will come up the goods. Hmm. Let's see. <laughs> nice. Well, I'm excited for round two. Well, that's a wrap on our review of round one uh we hope you enjoyed round one and we hope you enjoyed our review uh if you'd like to hear a bit more about footy during your week you can follow us on twitter you can find me at row underscore kel and you can also find at play on radio melb there as well what's your twitter handle jim i'm at gl bastiani come and follow me and talk to me excellent we'll uh we'll be there we'll be talking footy we're going to be obsessed it's going to be a good season Well, that's it from us for now. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you next time on Footy Actually. 